Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. I'm so excited to be here with you in this room. It's been a, a month because we're doing the church at home on other weeks. And uh, church at home has been fantastic. I mean, on my end, it's been fantastic. I've been really enjoying it. I cannot speak for everyone, but the feedback we've gotten has been really positive. And uh, it's just been, I mean, it's just been great. Just the relationships, the, the vibe, the intimacy in the, in the room, the praying for one another, the, the, the foods, the everything. I've just been loving it. So we, we thank God for what he's doing in us at this time in the congregation. And uh, yeah, God is good. Amen. God is good all the time. That's it. He's good all the time. Well, it's great to be here. If you don't know me, my name is Kevin. Sharon and I, we lead the congregation here in Burgess Hill. Um, and uh, yeah, as I said, very excited to be here. It's great to see you all. Um, if any of you were watching um, the message last week, uh, Pastor Jonathan was sharing, and uh, he was sharing really about the heritage that we have in God and that we have as kingdom faith and the part that we, each of us, have to play in taking hold of that heritage in, this, in the spirit, in this new season, that it matters how we are with God and, 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 and what we do in this season. He used this example of, of the grass, and I don't even remember the word he used for the single piece of grass, but... Blade, blade of grass, that's it, I learned a new thing. So there's a blade of grass, then there's grass. I just thought there was grass, but there's blades. So he said each bit of grass matters, right? And although we are all grass together, it's a bit this analogy of we all part of one body, right? But we all have a purpose in this body. He also used the story of Elijah and Elisha and uh, showing how Elisha took over from Elijah and how he continued the things, things continue to grow, to prosper. He, God used the next generation, Elisha. And, uh, but did you notice in the story, Elisha had to ask for it, right? So when there was this whole situation with Elijah, he had to ask for the double portion. He had to want it. He asked for the double portion. He was there, although Elijah the whole way was trying to get rid of him. He's like, oh, I'm going to go over there, you stay here. Elisha was like, no, no, I'm coming. I'm going to go over here and you stay there. No, no, I'm coming. I'm sticking with you. There was this attitude about Elisha that he knew he had to stay so close to Elijah. And there's something that God is saying to us, and I've been saying for weeks, in, in every time I get the opportunity to preach, and other people have been saying it as well, because it's something that God is saying to us as a church, but something about intimacy, about being that close to God. There's something in this new season where we need to be intimate with him. We need to have that same attitude that Elisha had with Elijah. I'm not going to let go of you. I'm going to want to be as close to you as possible. Wherever you go, I go. And it's the same call for us in this new season. We need to know him, know what's on his heart. We need to be right there with him. We need to be in the room with him. It's the title of this morning's preach. It's called In the Room. Well, I've called it In the Room. We need to be in the room with God. We can't have like this laid-back attitude, this que sera sera or whatever, you know. We just, like whatever happens, happens. No, we need to want it, desire it, be close to Jesus, be intimate with him. And that's what Elisha's attitude was uh, in that story that J.D. 
read last week and and he knew he needed to stay close and over the pages of the bible we see that attitude represented many times we we don't see that see that just in elisha and there's another story that i'd love to read with you today where we see kind of that similar attitude happening um it's a story that actually jd used over a month ago so if if it sounds like it's it's been shared before it has uh but it's the bible so it's certainly been shared before but recently uh, it's found in mark 5 um verse 21 to 43. It's kind of two stories put together, but I can't read one without reading the other because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Um, So we'll read both, but focus on one of the two, really, although the other one's just as amazing. Um, So Mark 5, if you have your Bible, verse 21. Let's do it. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. The one of the, then one of the synagogue leaders, sorry, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter's dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years years 12 years a long time she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse when she heard about Jesus she came behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I can just touch his clothes I'll be healed immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering at once Jesus realized that power had gone out of him He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people are crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask me, you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came to the house of Je- from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. So that was our first character in the first of the two stories. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhe- overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in there where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, notice how the woman was bleeding for 12 years and the little girl was 12 years old and how it makes you think about how, you know, there was a, a miracle there all along. We just didn't know it. Anyway, that's another story, another preach probably. Can you see that in the beginning of the story, we have this guy named Jairus, right? And, and, and you've noticed his attitude. It, it said at the very beginning of the story, 
when Jesus had crossed over, blah, 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 then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter's dying, please come put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. So Jesus went with him. He was a respected man as a synagogue leader, right? He was a guy in a fancy uh, outfit that everyone would have been careful around, but we see him rush to Jesus, falling at his feet and pleading to him, Jesus, I need you. I don't care about anything else. I need you. You're the only one who can have a solution here. And rightly so. I mean, his daughter's dying. You wouldn't care about anything else at that point, and he has no solution. A bit similar to our Israelites I talked about a few weeks back, right? They were in front of the Red Sea, no solution. Um, but there was this call, right, where there is a similar call for us again to get close to Jesus, just like Jairus did, that attitude. And the woman of the bleeding had the same attitude. She didn't care. She got there. She needed Jesus. And we need Jesus. We need to be as close to him as possible to make him that priority, to run to him, not caring about anything else. Just give me Jesus. And the story moves on, of course, there's plenty that happens. And I want to draw our attention to three things, really, maybe four, who knows. We're just going to read that that second bit of, of our story with Jairus again. So when they came to the house, to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, while this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him after he put them all out. And by the way, the Greek here, it's not a, please, can you get out? It was like with force, he put them out. So Jesus pushed everyone out of the room, closed the door. We don't need you here. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Notice how not everyone got in the room with Jesus, right? Jesus didn't take all his disciples there, only three. But then there were people that were in the room that didn't stay in the room, right? He shoved them all out. Some needed to leave. But we want to be in the room with Jesus. We want to be like those three disciples and the parents. We want to be part of the ones that are in the room with Jesus. Because things happen in that room. Things are happening in Jesus' presence. Things happen in that room. Have you ever seen the musical Hamilton? Anyone know about the musical Hamilton? It's this perfect piece of thing that was made by human beings. It's great. Um, it's, it's, it's a musical uh, about the uh, makings of the great US of A. And uh, it focuses on one of their forefathers, uh, named guy, a guy named, named guy, a guy named Alexander Hamilton. And there's this one song in it called In the Room Where It Happens. The song focuses on one of the characters named Aaron Burr, and uh, it goes something like this. Here, Trevor. Hopefully, technology works. That is not the song, but it's going to get there. That's a cool song, though. Hey, that's the song. If you put ah, it at 1 Mr. minute 11, Mr. Burr, sir. we're going to get there. Did you hear there. the news about good, the piece de resistance? No one else was in the room where there it is. happened, the room where it happened, the room where it happened. 
one else was in the room where it happened. The room where it happened. The room where it happened. No one really knows how the game is played. The art of the trade, how the sausage gets made. We just assume that it happens. No one else is in the room where it happens. Can you tell I really wish I could sing? Uh, I keep telling Toby I need to get on the worship team, but um, I really love it. I really love it. But you see this guy, Aaron Burr, he realizes that things are happening in that room, right? Wherever he is, it's a political scene, it's the making of a country, all the rules, blah, blah, blah. And he realizes if he wants to make it, he needs to be in that room because in that room, people go in that room and things are happening, decisions are made. People that seem to be on opposite sides suddenly go in that room. No one else is in the room, but they come back out and they have agreements, they have ways to move forward and all of that. And he says, man, stuff is happening over there. I need to be in that room. And so if you've noticed, the chorus said, no one else was in the room where it happened. No one else was in the room where it happened. No one knows how the sausage gets made. That was new for me. I didn't know that was an expression. But anyway, no one else was in the room where it happens. But as the song goes on, and I'm not going to make you listen to it all, but the, the chorus changes a bit because, you know, Aaron Burr realizes, hey, man, I need to be in that room. And so if we play it from four minutes or three, something like that, We'll have the chorus again. I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I wanna be in the room where it happens. I wanna be in the room where it happens. I present to you Trevor the DJ. Uh, thank you for that, that was amazing. But you see again this evolution, right? I want to be in the room where it happens. I want to be in the room where it happens. And then at the end, he's like, I got to be. I got to be there. I got to be in that room. I got to be in that room. And he sacrifices everything, everything he has throughout the musical and everything because he wants to be in that room. He wants to make it. He wants to be the one making the decisions, right? And we got to be the same. We got to be a bit, we got to have a bit of Aaron Burr inside of us and be like, I want to be, I got to be in that room where Jesus is. I got to be there because stuff happens in the room where Jesus is. But what exactly happens in Jesus' presence? Because the, this whole message, and it's amazing because actually during the worship, we were doing the message that I'm sharing right now. We were right there in his presence, in the throne room, praising, joining with heaven. We were in Jesus' presence. And being in his presence, being intimate with God, we've got to let him in the deepest part of who we are, as well as seeking him with everything that we are. But there's three things that happen in Jesus' presence in our story, right? Because before the girl gets healed and gets up, or gets healed, gets back from the dead and, and gets up, first Jesus speaks to the circumstances, right? When we are in Jesus' presence, circumstance change. He gets everyone that believes, that doesn't believe, or that believes she's dead, out of the room. All the doubters, the mockers, suddenly are out of the way. And when we come into his presence, when we spend time with him, he can do the same for us. Because I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have those voices in my head. I have doubts. 
I have fears. I have things that are going on in me. But when he speaks to us, when he reveals his heart for us, in doing that, he removes any doubts that we might have and worry that we might have. He speaks and addresses all these things and he replaces them with his peace, with his presence, with his assurance, with his love. Psalm 34, 4 says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. As we come to the presence of Jesus, as we come into that room, stuff happens. Jesus removes those fears. Jesus takes them away because he doesn't want them to be there. He's saying, my child, I can take care of all of that. I am your rock. I am the one you stand on. Come on. And as we spend time with him, God speaks to those circumstances, to those feelings, to whatever is going on. As we seek him, as we come into his presence, he removes fears, doubts. Maybe, maybe we laughed. There's other people that laughed when God spoke in the Bible. Maybe we laugh in a bit inside. We're like, that will never happen. That's, that, that situation is not going to change. Whatever is going on, Maybe God wants to remove that disbelief and show you, yeah, it's going to happen. Don't laugh. <laughs> I was um, diagnosed with Crohn's, most of you know, probably, maybe, I don't know, uh, <laughs> a few years back. And essentially what it meant is that um, there's uh, some sort of inflammation going on in my body most of the time. And, and when it gets too high, I have what um, they call a flare-up. Um, and uh, I would get those huge cramps in my stomach and, and essentially I would... I would cuddle up in this ball of pain, not being able to move. Um, and uh, we, we would have to rush to the hospital when, when I would have a flare-up. And, and it, it just wasn't nice, right? And, and at first, uh, it was really hard. It was really hard to, uh, to understand, to, to get to grips with it, to, uh, to make sense of, of, of any of it at all. Um, but I think we've learned over time to involve God in the process. And when symptoms would come up, fears would come up along with the symptoms because we're like, oh, here we go again. You know, what is going to happen this time? We're going to go back to the hospital and whatever. And it's this whole spiral thing that is going on. And if, we've, if you've ever dealt with, with long-term sickness or with uh, any situation that goes on for a length of time, you, you kind of have those thoughts that come quickly playing into your brain thinking, oh, here we go again. Um, and through it all, uh, we've learned with Sharon to really come into the room and, 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 or rather bring God into our room. And, and it's, it's, it's not always been easy, but um, we'd, we'd come into God's presence, we'd involve God in the process when symptoms would rise, we'd, we'd pray, we'd declare verses, we'd listen to worship and try to worship Him. And, and, and believe me or not, it, it kind of started having an effect. Um, in, in God's presence... He removed some of the fears that were in me. He removed some of the, or quiet down some of the symptoms that would be going on. Sometimes I would be in so much pain that actually I couldn't do anything, to be honest. I was just in bed kind of groaning and uh, Sharon would do it all for me. She would be standing in that gap, declaring the verses that speak of healing, praising God, praying over me, which I'm very thankful for. But it was about bringing God into the room because then circumstances, those symptoms, those thoughts in my head would start changing. And I, we did not get it right every time. 
Not that we did anything wrong, but sometimes I still ended up in the hospital. Sometimes it still didn't go our way. It felt, but it was about bringing God into the room because God wants to be with us through everything that we are going for, through. Sorry, He wants to be with us. We need to run to God every time because being in God's presence shifts circumstance, shifts perspective, changes those things, shut down those voices of doubt, of fear, of unbelief. Now, I know someone could say, well, we're always in God's presence, right? He's always around. But, and I, I know that, I, I acknowledge that he is. It's true. But I'm talking about being intentional with it, being intentional. There was, like Elisha, like Jairus, this intentionality about it where, God, I, I need you here. I need you here right now. I need your presence. I need Jesus. Come, come and have your way. Matthew 6, 6 says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We want to go into our room, shut the door to every distraction, give God all our attention, seek him. And as we do, he is faithful to answer. He is faithful to answer. We've got to be in the room where it happens, room, anyways, in the room where it happens. But God doesn't only stop there. Jesus doesn't only stop there when he's in the room with that little girl. He doesn't just speak to the circumstances and shut all of them out, all the mockers, all the doubters, all the things that might be going on in our heads. He also speaks to the girl's identity, right? Because at that point, she's dead, right? She, that's who she is. That's what's going on. But he speaks to her. He says, get up, and she gets up. She walks around, right? He speaks to who she is. And in God's presence, when we close that door, when we leave that space to actually meet with him, to be close to him, he doesn't only remove the negative, he then puts in the positive, right? He doesn't just say, you are not a loser, or you are not your sickness, or you are not this, or, or whatever. He also says, hey, this is what my word says about you. This is who you really are. In God's presence, God speaks to our identity, who we are. Jesus declares something different than what the word says, world said about that girl, what the world says about us. He declares that she was alive and she got up. How amazing is that? When we seek him, when we're in his presence, we allow God to transform to speak to shape our identity speak to and shape our identity to change the core of who we are romans 12 2 says it's in the passion translation so it sounds a bit different but it's a famous verse it says stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the holy spirit through a total reformation of how you think. It's a bit of fancy words in it. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful, satisfying life and perfect in his eyes. As we spend time in God's presence, as we're there in that room, he renews our mind, transforms our thinking. Those, those things that are just raised in our head as, this is who I am, that's just how I react, this is whatever. He shapes that, changes that. Our mind is being renewed, transformed. The way we think about ourselves is being transformed. 
God wants what's best for each of you. I have zero doubt about that. He wants what's best for me. He wants you to see yourself as he does. And so little by little, as we spend time with him, as we are there being intimate with him, as we pour in our hearts to him, he breaks down those things that might be in our mind. This, I'm not good enough, blah, 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 this, that, whatever you can put there. I'm too much like this. I have this thing. This is who I am. Whatever you've attached to your identity, God is wanting to speak some truth over that and remove any lies that might be there in what you believe about yourself. Romans 8.28 says, We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. See how it speaks? It doesn't say we just, we are his lovers, right? It speaks of that closeness that God desires. He wants to bring good into our lives. Every detail of our lives matters to him. John 15, 15 says, I have never called you servant." Because a master doesn't confine in his servants, and servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends, for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. There are things to discover in his presence about us, about him, about his plans, about what he's doing in our lives personally, but what he's doing in us corporately, what he's doing even on a bigger scale in the nations. God wants to reveal everything he's heard, right? It says everything I've heard from the Father, all of that is available to each of us. As we spend time in his presence, as we are in the room with him, God desires this intimacy with us. My most intimate friends, God has a purpose for you. All these things he wants to reveal to you as you spend time in his presence. And of course, there's the big reveal, right? The girl gets up and the miracle happens. So in his presence, impossible situations become possible. Very similar to the Israelites again in the Red Sea. This impossible situation that was there suddenly opens up. God is there. Everyone is stunned, right? Jairus the, the people that were there wailing and crying that then laughed at him are not stunned because God made the impossible possible. He made the impossible possible. And that happens when we are there in his presence, when we pray, when we intercede, when we stand in the gap, when we are being intimate with him. We are going to have a, a week of prayer in October, prayer and fasting. Um, I'm not actually sure what week it is now, but it's a week in October. I think it's the third week of October. Sharon will announce that to you in details later. But we have this opportunity to spend more time with God, to put some time aside with God. And as part of the prayer and fasting, there'll be three nights in Horsham and Foundry Lane of encounter nights, we call them. They'll start at eight o'clock. And if you want to make your way there, you can. There'll also be streams so you can watch them at home. Because there's something that God wants to do in us corporately, but in you individually as well. And so I want to encourage you, put some time aside that week, you know, just Shift your schedule a little bit. Make some room in your room for Jesus. 
Tune in to the Encounter Nights. If you need a lift, if you want to go together, we'll be there. You can come and grab a lift with us to Horsham. But we want to be there because we want to be as close to God as we can. We want to know. We don't want to go into this new season blind, not knowing what's happening, being on the, on the back foot of things. No, we want to be on the front foot, knowing, God, you are speaking. I know what you're saying. I know where we're going. There is a way where there seems to be no way. There is a breakthrough there, as we were singing later. I want to encourage you in that week, in every week, but specifically that week, to really tune in to what God wants to do. It's the opportunity to lay some things down at the cross as you spend time with him, to, for him to refresh you, maybe, if you feel a bit tired and weary, for him to get close to you, to be vulnerable, be vulnerable with him but also have faith ignited for the months ahead. There's still October, uh, November, December, three months before the end of the year. And we want those three months to be the best they can be, to have God's will be done in our lives as it is in heaven. Because, you know, as you spend time with God, God honors your time. You can never outgive God. He's so good. So as you spend time in that room, as you seek him, as you're praying, God will be faithful in those situations. He goes to work on our behalf. We can never outgive him. The more you give to him, the more he gives to you. He's a good God. So in a few days, next few days, next weeks, next few weeks, get in there with God, get in that room, because we want to be in the room where it happens. Tobes and George, you guys want to come up and just play. And at the end of the day, as I said to you guys, we were doing just that. If you don't know what being in that room looks like, or what do you do in the room when you're there, it's simply shutting the door and letting anything but God outside of that room. Maybe you don't take your phone in the room unless it's to play worship or whatever. But it looks like reading your Bible, declaring those scriptures, worshiping, exalting him, all of those things. And we were doing that together. I mean, I was thinking as we were worshiping, I'm like, this is the perfect example of what I'm speaking about. We're just there laying it all for him just giving him our best, all our attention, all our affection. We're just praising him. That's what it looks like to be in that room with Jesus. And you can do that by yourself. You don't need this setting, right? Stick on a pair of headphones. You can sing exactly the same songs if there's one you really like and just, just worship God. Exalt him over the circumstances. Exalt him over your life. John 15, 5 to 8 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you do, uh, no, sorry, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He is the vine. He is the source of life. He is the one that we need more than anything. And we need to remain in him. Do you just want to get up and we're just going to 
pray and worship for, for a few more minutes before we finish. I cannot make that decision for you, right? I cannot force you to anything and I'm not here to do any of that. But look, just like Jairus did, just like this woman that was bleeding did, just like so many people in the Bible, so many characters did, just take a minute to, if you want, say to God, hey God, I, I want to get closer to you. I want to make that commitment to make some room for you in the next few days, in the next week. I know that this new season is about intimacy. I know that I need to be as close to you as possible. I need to be in that room with you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.